Welcome to the 257th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on November 3rd, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway, I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's cooking something up in the kitchen, Carlos Rodella. Oh, I got stuff cooking. I got plenty of things cooking. Plenty of things cooking in the kitchen. We're going to hear all about that. And as per usual, we got a full agenda. I say we're going to just launch right into it, Carlos. You ready to roll here? I'm ready to roll, and I'm cooking at the same time. I'm like dual wielding a podcast mic and a frying pan. (laughs) Got roller skates in the kitchen. We are cooking and moving and recording. It's amazing. Folks, we are... Sharing space. We are living in a big house. Carlos is in the kitchen today, as you hear, uh, but the rest of the house is divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape on my side. I've got one thing. Carlos, uh, well, I mean, since you're in the kitchen and since we're on your side, why don't we lead off with that? What are you cooking up, sir? Yeah, hold on. I, I got to put a uh, fire out real quick. Hold on. Um, oh, man. There we go. Okay. There we go. I, I it's, Don't put it's, water in a grease fire. Don't do that. I didn't do that. I put, like, uh, flour on it, and it seemed to chill it out. There you go. No, no, no. I actually am a pretty good cook, and I wanted to talk about cooking because, you know, it's crazy. Once you start making food and not buying processed stuff, it's it's insane. You get healthier, all right? So everybody listening, just, okay, every once in a while you have to order out or something, you're tired. But it's just amazing. Uh, I look at your Instagram and I see all your meals. Uh, I'm starting to post a lot more pictures of mine. But yeah, it's just really, it feels great to make stuff and eat it because you made it. But also, yeah, like I just don't eat processed stuff and for months now. And it's just, I thought I'd bring it up on the show because... It's crazy. We both make a lot of food. Um, it just tastes really good, you know, when you make your own stuff. So, yeah, just recently I made my own buckwheat uh, pancakes. Ooh, those are good. And, yeah, and I mixed uh, – and I just am figuring out, like, how much baking powder to use to make them fluffy and added vanilla and added all these, like, little, you know, accoutrement. And it's just Getting like – gourmet on us here, buddy. Dude, it tasted gourmet. I was like, this is like the life. You know what I mean? Like, this feels like gourmet, but it it wasn't like necessarily more expensive, you know? I mean, that's the thing. And, and usually it's really cheap. My wife and I cook all the time, as you just mentioned. And it's like, I think the litmus test for us is like when I cook something, I'm like, I mean, I don't know what prices are like in other parts of the country, but food's expensive here in Seattle when you got to eat. And I'm like, we make a food and we're like, you know, would, would I be happy with this if I had paid $25 at a restaurant? And if the answer is yes, then that's a home run because we don't pay $25. No way. It ends up being like, I don't know, two, three, four dollars worth of ingredients and you save the overhead. Right. And I used to think, and I probably have said before, that, you know, it can be expensive to eat healthy, which is true. But it that's depends. That's very true also. Yeah. yeah. But it depends on what you get. Like, so with the pancake idea, which again, buckwheat is very good for you and has a lot of fiber, um, you buy one huge bag of buckwheat, right? Exactly. Not the processed stuff, not the stuff that's in the aisle with the baked goods or the, you know, the cake mixes, which has a bunch of stuff in it. It's just buckwheat. Just buy that, right? Just the just the raw material. The raw yeah. material, and that is cheap. And so then, you know, you buy your butter and bulk and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I'm just, like, blown away by how, A, healthy I feel and how much fun it is to cook. And I just recently made, like, uh, just whole wheat biscuits instead of, like, you know, the crap you get in the store where you have to unfold it and puncture it with oh, yeah, a spoon. Those are, those, are, those are gross, too. Those are disgusting. Right. But in the beginning of your life, and maybe even people who are listening now, you think they're great. 
Um, and then you make your own homemade ones and you're like, what was I doing? Oh, for sure, dude. My son, uh, who is 12, he he picked up a recipe from one of his friends because uh, he was going to 4-H a while ago. And it's like a homemade biscuit recipe. And it fucking owns. It's like so much better than anything we've ever gotten. Better yeah. than those goddamn cheddar biscuits at Red Lobster. Better than any of that shit that comes in a can. Oh. when you, I mean, it takes some doing, right? Like, you know, you don't make them perfect the first time out. But like once you know what you're doing, that shit's better than any restaurant. First off, Red Lobster is disgusting. And I think like <laughs> six or seven years ago, I went back just for fun, for nostalgia. And we were like all these things that we were excited about as a kid. We were like, these are the worst thing I've ever eaten. So uh, fuck that place, actually. But secondly, <laughs> you're right because like you do mess up. Like that's one thing part of it like you have to yeah. like fail uh, again which is a metaphor for life etc and all the things you do but then when you nail it like i just nailed these buckwheat pancakes you're like this is the best moment of my life and the whole wheat biscuits by the way again buy whole wheat just in a bag right whole wheat flour and you do a couple other things with them baking soda baking powder make them fluffy whatever uh and i put like eggs you know on them with cheese like a little egg sandwich Oh, it's great. It's delicious. Yeah, It's fantastic. So welcome back to Cooking Cast uh, with Brad and Carlos. <laughs> and I guess my PSA and why I wanted to bring it up, and it's in my notes, is people just try to make some more stuff maybe once or twice a week at home, and you're going like to like it a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It can take a lot of doing. You know, it's not the easiest thing in the world. But once you get into a groove, once you kind of get more familiar with it, you know, you master a couple recipes, and your life just gets better by a couple notches. It's, it's pretty good. It really does. All right. Uh, what else you got on your side, man? Uh, well, breaking news. Uh, Chris Pratt is going to now voice all of the characters in GTA Definitive Edition. And he's actually going to be voicing you and me for every episode for, from here on out. Yes, for this podcast as well. And I think all podcasts. Um, no, no, that's a joke, but like it's ridiculous because I think he just got another role. I forgot what it was. He and was Mario, and he's also Garfield. Garfield, that's right. And people are like, yes. just what else? You know, Santa? Is he going to be Santa this year? Probably. I mean, someone said he was going to be Scarlett Johansson next, and I thought that was pretty funny. Nice. Well, anyways, that's silly, and I, that's silly. Uh, Skyrim Anniversary Edition, people keep talking about it. There's so much DLC coming out for it. I am not going to go back to that. You hold <laughs> me to this. I'm saying this on the podcast, so it's illegal binding. Do not go back. I will not go back, even with all the stuff they're showing, which is a lot. But man, I, I, you know, I, I, I know that Skyrim is a huge thing. It's like a touchstone for many people. It's a landmark title. You know, a lot of people that's like their favorite game of all time. Like I totally get it, but I got to be just real brutally honest. Like when I played it, like when it was new, it was just like okay, and I didn't really like it that much. I finished it, and I did as much of the quests that I could do because some of them were kind of jacked up and janky when it first dropped, but. I mean, it was fine. I'm like, I don't think there's any amount of money you could pay me to go back to it today, though, honestly. Well, I thought it was more than okay. But I do know, you know, again, it's like looking at the past, uh, you know, it's a little rough now. Um, and obviously, you can put a bunch of, like, you know, bells and whistles on it. But it's still the core game. They're not changing the main mechanics. Right, right. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, too. But I think it's because that emergent gameplay, it's that huge world. It's an RPG, so I'm, like, already in. And so I like stayed in there just because it was so, you know, for lack of a better word, competent at being a first person RPG. And I was like, I, I want to do this forever. So I did really enjoy it, but I'm not going back. Um, do not go back. Do I not won't. go back. We mentioned Moonglow Bay on the podcast. And yes, last week. 
Yes, and friend of the podcast, Elena, and I both were tweeting at the devs saying, hey, we really like your game, and we would like to continue playing it, but when you're on the overworld map, it makes us a little feel weird. Yeah, um, we mentioned this. We got a weird visual effect that was happening, and I, I noticed it as well when I played it, too. It's very strange. Yeah, and it was making her sick, and it made me just feel weird. So they said they're working on it for with a patch, uh, which is really exciting because I do want to go back to that, and I found some stuff that I really liked in it, so... Uh, that's uh, point one for the fan, you know, communication with devs. Just as a clarification, I guess I'm not sure. Was it was it an effect that they intended because they thought it looked cool? Or was it some kind of weird side effect that they did not intend? Do you know? I don't know. They didn't say that. But I'm guessing, being around enough devs, that it's, like, not intended. Because no. the, the frame rate and everything else, like, looks different when you're in buildings. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. it's just that overworld map. And even when you're on a boat, it doesn't feel like that. So I think it's just a mess up. And I think hopefully they have that patch for it. So it just it kudos to them for reaching right back out to us and saying that they're working on it. Cool. Right on. Uh, and then maybe a couple more things. By the way, do you know that somebody calls Sony fans Sony ponies? I have heard that phrase used. I have. Why and why and Why? Sony ponies and Xbox. That's when you get like those really deeply entrenched fans who can't lift themselves up out of their out of their mess to see that there's maybe some good things on the other side of the fence. Yeah, yeah but why ponies? I just I probably just the rhyme. I don't oh know. Oh my I guess. goodness. Yeah, like you can't go Sony phonies. That'd be really bad. Yeah, um, I mean that's kind of weird. Sony I mean, I guess Jonies. maybe because ponies are just like a, I don't know. You keep them in a pen. They're tame. They're kind of like. They're not they're not wild Mustangs or something. I don't know. know. Maybe there's kind of a pejorative to it, I guess. I don't get it. I think I'm gonna petition petition we change them to Sony Tonys. So you'd be like, Hey, are you Sony Tony? Yeah, man, I'm a Sony Tony. How about you? Is I that... mean, I'll do one better. I'll say Sony Jabroni. How about that? Sony Jabroni. See, I'm I feel like we're getting dicey area and I started it. <laughs> so I'm gonna stop and just You opened that door, buddy. I sure did. Sony Tony, come on, forget about it. Um and Fortnite's not available in China anymore. And it was for a while. And it's called something else there. And they just put out a patch note. It was like a patch note. Not even like a customer like facing email or whatever. It was just like a patch note. It said like, hey, the test of trying Fortnite in China is over. Uh, goodbye. That's where I mean, honestly, I didn't even realize they weren't in China. I guess I just assumed that they're such... Um, I mean, they literally are a multi-billion-dollar-a-year endeavor. Just Fortnite, all on its own. I, I guess I just assumed it was worldwide. Is it not? No, no, I don't think it is. And also, I mean, this is a perfect example of how certain countries can be like, "Get the fuck out of here," because one, Tencent, right? So Tencent is like the huge Chinese company sure. that has tons of addictive games that they want people to play. Secondly, um, I guess in Fortnite and maybe even a lot of games in China. Like, it'll stop you if you played it for too long and say that you should probably go do your studies. Oh, yeah. They just they just recently enforced that new, like, law, I guess. Yeah. It yeah. came out, like, what, last month or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was just interesting when I was reading up on this. But, yeah, I think that they were just basically like, hey, we don't want this competition and this all this monetary, you know, bullshit. We're just giving money away to this other company. So they're out. I mean, I mean, I guess my question is, is there a game in China that is basically exactly like Fortnite, but put out by Tencent or some other publisher? Maybe. And they're using their, you know, their, you know, because China, China is kind of a closed system in some ways. And, you know, some foreign companies do find it difficult to make headway there. So I wonder if you go to China 
and you're like, I want to play some Fortnite, and it's not here, but we have Game X, which looks and feels and plays just like Fortnite, but with a slightly Chinese spin. I wonder I wonder if they've done that over there. I have no idea, honestly. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, A, the, the real answer to your question is, and I already know it, there's like eight, you know what I mean? There's like eight or ten games that have that kind of addictive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not specifically like, you know, the visual style, but they just have so many games that people are addicted to. Um, Anyways, and then I have one more thing, then I'm going to go to you, and then I have another thing. But this really quick thing I keep forgetting to bring up, I don't have the Xbox headphones. And we, I bitched about it forever. I thought you bought those. No, I didn't. I bought like, uh, you know, compatible ones. And it's bullshit because it like cuts out on me. So I want to know if you have them. No, I don't. I just use little um, cheap headphones that I plug into my controller, and that works for me. I think they're like eight dollars. Wow, that is amazing. Do you usually play it on like the TV speakers then, or your own home? No, system? no. I just I just have the headphones. That's all. I mean, they totally work for me. I was just using them just while I was upstairs before the show, so they they work just fine. I mean, Bonkers. I literally got them from like Amazon. It was like eight dollars. Your basic. I think I think it was even called like basic headphone or something like <laughs> nice. that. Basic Co. Um, Basically, yeah. Well, you know, that's funny because, again, back to my earlier rant on another podcast, I want, like, the highest fidelity everything. So, yeah, I just – I'm so tired of, like, I get – we get these games for Xbox, and I'm playing a lot of Game Pass, but I have this these headphones that are not good. So I, I want to get them. They're just, I think they're really expensive, aren't they, the Xbox ones? I mean, aren't they, they're probably 100 bucks or something, which I – for me is nuts. I would never spend $100 on headphones. That is ridiculous. I would – uh Never in a billion years spend that much money. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the ones I got work for me, and I, I hear stuff in them, and I just play my game, and I'm I fine. I hear stuff. But the only thing you need, the prerequisite, is that you can hear the audio. That's it. I mean, that's it. And it, I get a very slight kind of like surround sound sort of a thing. I mean, it's I'm sure it's a joke compared to like what the high-end headphones have, but that's all I need, man. I'm just like, I'm pretty basic. Like with my, my game needs, I don't need the highest end stuff. So. Wow. Okay. And also I live in a, in an apartment and there's like noise all around me in the street. So I basically need them. Or if I don't have them, I won't really, you know, there's other sure. competing sounds. Let's say I gotcha. They are a hundred dollars. Okay. I will pick them up and talk about them on the show at some point. And now you go. Uh, I only just got one thing this week. I, you know, actually speaking of, um, Fortnite, I just wanted to give a shout out to Fortnite. I mean, I play, you know, I play Fortnite fairly, fairly often. Yes. I play a lot with my son. You know, we, we do okay. I mean, we don't win every match, but we win. I mean, winning is not a, a foreign experience to me when it comes to Fortnite, which is great. Cause like I played it for the first couple of years and I was constantly like Mr. Number two. Like I came in second place so many times it was a joke. Anyway. Um, I do put some time into Fortnite, and I just wanted to say that recently, it's over now, but they were doing uh, another short film festival. I love when they do this. Have you seen any of their short film festivals? No, I just know that like um, Travis Scott was in there and Ariana Grande and stuff like that. Yeah, they do their they so they do concerts. They are actual concerts that they give in the world of Fortnite. I've seen a couple of those. Those are pretty good. Uh, oh man, there was this one guy who was like an Arabic singer. Oh dude, his music was great, and he had a really fun show. I don't know what his name was, but. It was really good. But no, but they also do, in addition to the the concerts, which you just watch, like it's just literally a concert that you watch, they do short film festivals. And I think this is their third one. It was called uh, Short Nightmares. And they had, I think, you know, eight or ten Halloween-themed shorts, uh, which just wrapped up. Uh, but it was really cool. You just, like, jump into the game, pick a special mode, and then you go to this little movie theater virtually, and you just sit down and watch. And then the picture shows up on your screen. And they had a really good selection. Last time was a bunch of stinkers. I got to be honest. I really didn't care for the selection last time. 
But this time it was great. And some of that animation, like really good, like like movie quality stuff. And some of them were really cute. There's one about a ghost, which I thought was really touching and cute. There was one about uh, this lady who gets stranded on a planet. And the, the graphics on it were just like awesome. Looked like like anything that you'd see in a, in a movie theater. Uh, mm, cool. But really good stuff. I just really appreciate they do. It's a neat thing. It doesn't cost anything. You just show up and kind of just just a neat little like the whole family got on the couch and we just watched horror themed shorts within the world of Fortnite. Kind of a cool thing. Watching stuff in the metaverse. <laughs> Not nearly. Oh, God. Don't even. I can't. I we're going to bring it back angry. up. We're going to bring oh, it back geez. up because we're talking virtual reality today. So the metaverse will come back up in this conversation. I mean, I mean, I guess. Oh, God. Anyway. All right. That's all I got. What else you got? Uh, one more thing is I am not done playing Far Cry because I am now totally obsessed. And it's basically replaced my cyberpunk addiction. So cyberpunk I've kind of given up on for now. Uh, we'll revisit it next year. Sure, and, sure. And Far Cry, you know, because I'm still in it. We talked about it last episode. When you get in the mechanics, you're doing them well. You feel good. You want to stay in that world. They're dropping a bunch of, you know, sort of free DLC. And again, unlike, not to throw salt in the wound, but unlike uh, a cyberpunk, you know, everything works really, really well in that engine. And so now dropping DLC is kind of all they're focused on. So right. they're they're adding stuff slowly and, um, you know, they have this weekly insurgency thing where basically like every week, almost like a mobile phone game, you can go back in and like take over new sections and then you get a reward for it. And I've done all of them. And so it's just super fun. But as I was messing around, just walking around my own, my own, my own, my own business, I found something that was a leak, but it was leaked to everybody. They kind of messed up and they dropped half or like a piece of the DLC that wasn't supposed to go up. And yeah, it's like one mission out of like three missions. And it was Danny Trejo, like the Danny Trejo. Oh, so he like is is he playing himself or is yes. he playing a character? Yeah, yeah, it's it's all voiced by him. It looks just like him. The graphics are like amazing. And he's making tacos. And this is version one or like mission one of a three arc mission that the rest aren't out yet because it wasn't supposed to go up yet, I think. But you can right now at the time of this recording, you can go and play this one Danny Trejo mission. And he was making tacos and I had to go get his like ingredients for him. Uh, And and it's all because he has a taco place in L.A. Um, Trejo's Tacos, I think is what it's called. Okay, Okay. So I was getting his salsa and I was getting all his real world stuff for him. And after we made all the tacos, of course, like. You know, the, the military comes after us and they're like, go get his tacos. We need to get all of Danny Trejo's tacos. Oh, oh, Weirdly okay. enough, it didn't feel hokey. And I was fighting alongside Danny Trejo. Was he using machetes? No, you know what? He had a knife and he was using it for cooking. But then he used a gun because. Uh, missed opportunity. Missed, it was a missed opportunity. But it was, you know, you probably wanted to use the same mechanics as like the NPCs, you know. Sure, sure. Anyways, it was just really fun. And it came out of nowhere because I didn't even expect it. And it's almost like I would like like game devs to drop DLC that way, you know? Instead of being like, like oh, like here's surprise. the roadmap. Yeah, because I was literally just walking around and fucking Danny Trejo was making tacos. That's the greatest yeah, surprise ever. I mean, I, if I was just playing a random game and I didn't know that was there and I came across something like that, I think that would be pretty cool. Yes, for sure. And this is the game I keep talking about. Like there's so many emergent moments, you know, it just felt like another one of those. I was like, just watch some craziness on the street go down and an alligator, you know, ate a person. And now there's Danny Trejo making tacos. Well, (laughs) that seems to make sense in my world. 
That is that is pretty that is pretty choice. Pretty I, choice. I, I'm not I'm not not gonna go back to that game, but if I would like that to happen in some other game. Right. And right, it right. could be Danny Trejo. It could be anybody, but yeah. I love surprises like that. You know who's gonna be? It's gonna be Chris Pratt. Ah, jeez. <laughs> that one doesn't work for me. You know, the worst part about this whole Chris Pratt thing is like he's like a really fucking dipshit uh right winger, which really just kind of ruins it, right? Like I don't he's think very I conservative. Knew that. He is extremely conservative, which really fucking bums me out because it just makes it really difficult for me to separate the art from the artist. And it really makes it difficult. Uh, yeah. Cause that's why he broke up with his wife. Uh, Anna Ferris, I think is, is that who he was oh, married she, to? I think so. She's so cool. Oh, that's yeah, so they funny. Broke up. That's so funny. Cause they said, sorry, they said that in the presentation for Chris Pratt, remember they said, he's uh, so cool. I mean, maybe, but oh, I mean, they did. And they, I just said, they Anna broke Ferris up. is cool. Anyways, his marriage literally broke up because he was a right winger and she was not. And oh, she my couldn't goodness. put up his bullshit. And, you know, it's it sucks because he's in like a lot of shit. And like, you know, I, I think people generally see him as a pretty likable everyman sort of guy. Probably why he's getting all this fucking voice work right now. But it's like to know that he's a real fucking conservative shithead just really just bums me out. dude. All right. We'll never let talk talk about him on the podcast ever again. Here we go. Never again. Done. Done. Uh, all right. You got anything else? Are we, uh, are we good on the housekeeping? The house is clean. The fire is out in my kitchen and we're ready to go. Talk about video games. All right, let's dive into it. We got a whole section of stuff, a full slate as per usual. So doing something a little different this time, you know, we were talking about VR, I think it was last week, I believe. And, you know, I just so happened to get an email from a uh, publisher who had a whole slew of VR games that they wanted to to have people try as like a package. And I think we talked about whether, what do you have? The Oculus 2 is what you have? Yeah, Oculus Quest 2. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't do a lot of VR. It's not really interesting to me. So I don't know the ins and outs of what's compatible with what, but you know, this guy was like, Hey, please talk about these games on your show. I'll send you a whole bunch of them. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to give these to Carlos. Cause I know he likes the VR way more than I do. So I sent you a bunch of stuff, like a whole passel of games to review. So why don't you fill us in? Uh, what were the games? How did it go? Were they compatible? What was the, what was the end result? Yeah, well, first off, we got to start and say there's a little bit of an issue with Oculus Quest 2. There's a lot of great things about it and the fact that it's a wireless VR headset. It's, you know, independent of anything. So you can just have it. You don't need a computer. It has the ecosystem and the games inside it, the store, etc. So there's a lot of good things about it. It comes with two controllers, which are great. They feel really good. Um, The problem is that when you want to play Steam games, like the ones we're talking about, Mm -hmm. it's a tricky tricky bit because there's like three ways you can do it and the first way which is like the official way i guess there's a thing called the air link which you have to be on the same network as your computer and then your computer talks to your oculus but sometimes in my case in a lot of people's case it just doesn't work and they like restart it and try again or do something else so it it just wasn't working like it was periodically working so what i had to do is use virtual desktop which is an app and then you use that on your computer, and that runs and sends the the game to your headset. Oh, God, like this this is already raising the hackles on me, dude. I'm I'm right. already out. Well, it should yeah. because you know, in general, I think I'll review games in the future a lot more just from the store page. Again, right, right. Everything within the Oculus headset itself is easy, um, so I have a few to talk about uh, next week with that. But for these, yeah, I really wanted to play more Steam games, like um, Half-Life, Alex is on it and stuff. But two things I noticed when I was using that desktop, which wasn't too hard to get working, my computer's fans started turning on, for sure. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, it, which is, it hasn't. This is a new computer. So I think that it's definitely processing so much and then sending it to my headset. I don't know if I'm going to do be able to do a lot of big games. But uh, anyways, I'll talk about a few of these. And I finally did get it working with virtual desktop. So if you're listening to this and you have an Oculus Quest and you're having problems with AirLink, which I was, use the virtual desktop app. And that did work for me. Um, but yeah, like uh, just a quick kind of overview of some of these. Um, they're all supposed to be scary, but you know, I, I for some reason, unlike you, just can't get scared with these games. I don't know what's going mm. on with me. I'm dead inside. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's that, but maybe you just got a very high tolerance. I have a high tolerance. Um, the two games that are just kind of like real quick is there was one called Hinge and then one called Wraith. They really felt this kind of similar. Um, let's say Wraith where you, is the one where you go, you've died in a seance and you have to basically like figure out uh, a mystery of like how, how you died. Um, and you're kind of walking around. It's pretty good graphics. Again, my computer was really, really trying hard with it. Mm, so okay. I couldn't play it for too long, but it just looked kind of like I got a little bored to be honest. It was, it wasn't like, again, scary to me, but it was also more of a mystery. Um, interesting. Uh, the next one was Hinge, uh, which was a scary game. Okay, graphics. It was more like a. There's a lot of games on VR that are scary, that are like uh, escape room in a way. Mm. You know, you go to an area, and it's not like a true open world video game where you can go wherever you want. It it knows when you're going to be in a section. If that makes sense, like a haunted house. Sure, sure. You know, and then I said, okay, now I'm going to present something to you. And there was a woman like floating and there's fire and blood from her eyes, you know, as, as it happens. And then you you move on to the next part, you know. So um, that one was okay. It was, again, it felt like another kind of escape room scary game. Um, didn't play it for too long, but, you know, it was just okay. The best one out of the bunch is Cosmo Dread. And Cosmo Dread. Cosmo, Cosmo Dread? Yeah. Okay. You sent me these. Don't you remember the names of them? I certainly do not, so okay, not even okay. remotely, no. And by the way, there's two more that I still have to play, so I will report back on those other two as well. Uh, All right. There's an Exorcist game and another one. But Cosmo Dread is is really what I want to talk about because it's Dead Space in VR. Oh, okay. Is it first person? Yeah, first person Dead okay. Space in VR. And it's like done very well. Um, it's, it's almost akin to the Half-Life Alex experience where it feels really claustrophobic and it feels like the graphics are good. It just feels like a good, uh, you know, well done first pre- first person shooter game, but you really are kind of really managing your resources. Uh, you have a crossbow and you have a flashlight, and it's like you know, there's weird um, monster goo everywhere and alien life forms and stuff. And yeah, it's just like it, it did get me with a couple of jump scares. It's because um, you're really in the dark in that game. Uh, I feel like you would just run the opposite direction. I, I'm nervous just hearing about it. Dude. Yeah. It's, I mean, think about dead space and VR, right? That's, it's scary. So I mean, dead space is perfectly scary on the 360 on a mediocre TV with all the lights on in my house. Right. I, like I, there's no way I would strap on a VR helmet. Yeah. I'm just, I, I can, I highly recommend this one for people who can handle it. Uh, and maybe even if like, say you're playing resident evil, which I still yet to play, which is uh, just, you know, 4 got re-released on the Oculus. So I will be playing it at some point. But if you're into that and you want something you haven't already played a million times, 
Um, check out Cosmo Dread, survival horror. Now, it does have roguelike uh, things in the game. No, oh, I'm back in. I'm oh, back. now you're back in, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what, what's funny is that this is a through line with all the games I played, spoiler, is that a lot of the games, I always get surprised because it's sometimes it's not even in the main like description uh, that they're roguelikes. And there's games that we're going to talk about soon that are roguelikes, and I wasn't ready for that. So oh, okay. that that's the only part I didn't like because you know me. Um, I, w- I would much rather had it just been like a long adventure that you just get better at. Right. But this was really more about like managing your resources and getting as far as you can. But it's still worth it because I think it's like just done so well in the fact that you're on the space station and there's weird monsters and, and it just feels really real. So I dig it. Cool. I'm going to give it a positive, very positive uh, review for Cosmo Dread. I think people should check it out. The other two, maybe not as much. Uh, they're not bad. They're just like, okay. And then I'll give you uh, my update on the other two next time. All right. Excellent. Is Cosmo Dread one word or two? Cosmo Dread is one word. One word. Okay. It's also on, yeah, it's on Steam. 15 bucks. Totally worth it. That sounds like a worthwhile deal. Yeah. Sure. And again, some of the other ones, uh, Exorcist, uh, there's a lot of other ones, Chair in a Room. I'm going to try all those out as well. So, okay. Yeah. I, I like I like the first person get me in a creepy situation. I just want to be more scared. Uh, well, we're going to work on that. We're going to keep throwing scary stuff your way. Yes. All right. Let me talk for a minute here. Just really quickly, I don't want to get too deep into it, but. You know, you and I are both fans of FMV, and we love we love us some Whales Interactive. They are yes. basically single-handedly bringing back the FMV genre, like, all by themselves. They've put out some killer FMV games that you and I are both fans of, and today they just dropped a brand new one. It's called Bloodshore. Um, I picked it up earlier today. I was playing it before the podcast, so I just, I just barely had time to scratch the surface, right? Haven't finished it, but I'm always very excited for Whales Interactive. I love that they're doing this. I love that they are actually making some decent FMV experiences because they were garbage in the past. Like they just, they were just the worst. And now they are taking something that was terrible and making it pretty fucking cool. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, Bloodshore is, I mean, I kind of love it already. Basically they take a bunch of people. It's like in a future, not exactly a dystopian future, but I guess a semi dystopian future. Um, although, our reality is pretty dystopian right now. Yes. So it's kind of hard to say what is dystopian in fiction. So you and mean the future. Real. It's the future. It's it's literally right now. Okay. It is a documentary. Uh, so they take a bunch of people and they send them to do real life uh, battle royale on a, a tropical island. They drop like 50 people onto an island. They break them up into groups of six or seven and drop them in different drop zones around the island. You go down with a group of like five or six people and you land. And like uh, you play a guy... Uh, you're kind of like a washed up actor. So he's trying to do this to revive his career. There's a couple like pro uh, like streamers who are like live streaming everything. Uh, there's like an actress, I think there's a couple other people, you know, like your general social media types of people who jump in and uh, they just like get dropped on this island and you like immediately start making choices. Like, you know, do you want to talk to this person or this person? Do you want to run or hide? Do you want to do go search for guns over here? Or do you want to hang back at camp? And like, you know, so you do like all these different choices, as you usually do with VR games, like or not VR. VR. Oh, Sorry, I got well, VR in the head. It is no, a no, 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 alternate reality. No, I got VR in the brain because we were talking about it. no FMV is what I meant to say. Apologies. Um, so that it goes out, but like there's also these things that they track. So when you pause, it'll show like how how are you doing on leadership? How are you doing on relationship? How are you doing on 
like bravery or so. there's like five or six different stats mm. that as you make your choices they'll go up or down you can kind of track how you're doing those are great um and i think it's pretty funny like i feel like it's very self-aware they're very keyed into like what the streamer life is like and what it's like for people who live for the likes and people who will do anything to get views and like a lot of those personality traits come up and they kind of poke fun at them a little bit and sometimes they play them a little bit more serious but i think it's a really good really good start uh, i really like it a lot i like the characters i think it's funny uh lost a couple people already killed a couple people already uh so it's going pretty good i'm still in it to win it and i'm just curious to see where it goes one interesting side note that i i did not know uh was there is actually the potential for romance in this game and i i didn't go into it knowing that but i got to a um uh, this is not really a spoiler but like at, at one point you have to like choose between two people to save a uh, man and a woman and i wasn't i didn't at all have romance on my mind i was like i need to survive i'm probably going to end up shooting every one of my teammates because this is a battle royale there can only be one winner so i'm not going to get too close to anybody romance the furthest thing from my mind so i have to choose one guy i choose the the male guy, because uh, I, I was feeling kind of sketchy about the lady. I felt like she was going to backstab me. So I, I save him. The lady dies. We go on. We get to like a little quiet place where we rest. Start talking to the guy that I save. And this prompt comes up and is like, kiss him. And I'm like, what? Oh. <laughs> I mean, cool that they give you the option. Absolutely cool. It caught me absolutely by surprise because I was like, in no way was I thinking romance. I was not thinking about a relationship at all. And then this prompt comes up. And it's like, kiss him, yes or no. And I'm like, whoa, what? And, it just kind and of, was it time too? It was like, t- pick really quickly. You can turn the time off if you want to. There's oh, okay. like a streamer mode where you can. So I turned it off because I don't like to be rushed. So, but it did jolt me out of my seat in like a funny way. Uh, but kudos to them for offering the option. Uh, I think that's great. And I mean, so far, it's like a real thumbs up. I really dig it. I'm, ha- I'm laughing a lot. And I'm really curious to see where this goes. So. I was going to say, it sounds like it's self-referential at the same time and like kind of campy too, right? Oh, yeah. But in, in all the good ways, right? Like, it's very aware of what it's doing. It's on it's intentional. It's not it's not one of those so bad. It's good. I think it's 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 meant to be bad in a good way. Not that it's accidentally good. You know right. I mean? I'm so glad to hear that because I think that, yeah, like you said before, they're just getting better. And, and oh, yeah. Kudos oh, yeah. to them for keep going, because obviously you make a game and it flops and makes no money or whatever. Or, you know, I don't know what what specifically uh, sales made on some of their games, but. You know, they didn't burn down the house, probably, I don't think. You know, they weren't like, you know, that's not the that's not the term. Uh, burn up the charts. <laughs> burn up the charts. They didn't burn down the house, like me in my kitchen. I mean, good. I'm glad they, they still have a house to live in. That would be it's terrible. It's good, actually. It's good. That, yeah, Carlos, that's yeah. a good thing. No, but you know what I mean? Like, so they're just getting better, it sounds like. And, yeah. and also, I, I like the idea of them, like, going full on into some of the comedy because it is a funny thing that you're playing, you know? It's an oh, interesting... Yeah. It's, Right from the very beginning, like, you know, like, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, you're on the plane before you get dropped off. Right. And this, the lady's like, uh, she's looking at you. You look a little greener on the gills. And she's like, you got to jump or jerk off. And she just like jumps out. Right. And then the very next prompt is like, you can choose jump or jerk off. Oh, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Wait, and you did not pick that, right? I totally picked jerk off. I absolutely did. I wanted to see what would happen. So I'm not going to spoil it, but it's pretty funny. And I appreciate that they put it up there. So that kind of shows the kind of humor that they're going for. I feel like it works. I'm having a great time with it. I'm looking forward to playing more. So, so far, uh, after like an hour and a half of playing, because it came out today, 
Bloodshore feels like a very big thumbs up so far. Okay, well, it's a steal. I think it's at thirteen bucks right now on my PlayStation. Yeah, dude, so cheap. So, so cheap. I'm gonna check it out at some point, and then we'll talk about it in the show, and we can talk about endings maybe and the spoiler thing if there's something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm I am very curious. Uh, I believe they said in the PR materials that I read that they have the the largest number. No, no, that's not right. The most footage they've ever shot for a VR. Or, God damn it! I keep saying VR. For a FMV game they've ever done, I think they have like a solid like eight hours of footage, which is wow. actually a lot yeah. if you think about this game. So I'm looking forward to alternate endings, different paths. I can already think of a few different choices I'd like to do. So maybe definitely a, a couple playthroughs are warranted. So. Okay, before we leave that, and that sounds great and I'm going to pick it up. But before we leave that kind of concept, I was reminded of Alice in Borderland, um, which yes, is a great Netflix show. show that you talked about. And because uh, I'd finished Squid Game. And I was wanting more of that because that's what happens. You get in the mode, yep. you know. Yep. Yep. And I had already seen a bunch of these movies. It's not like I haven't seen movies like this or ma- manga or anime. Um, there's just so much of it like it, but you get in the mood for it. So I had started Alice in Borderland and liked the first episode, but wasn't like fully hooked. That show takes like two or three episodes to like turn and do some really weird things. I think it's like episode two or three. Some mm-hmm. big difference happens. And you're like, oh, this is like weird as heck. And it's even more weird almost than Squid Game. Um, well, it is. It is more weird than Squid I, Game. I definitely think it's more yeah. weird than Squid Game in some ways. It's, yeah. it's actually, it's like a thousand percent more weird because <laughs> I'm in episode four now. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm just really, really digging it. So a reminder, uh, you brought it up already, but Alice in Borderland, people check it out on Netflix. Ah, oh, love that show. If you love Squid Game, I love Alice in Borderland. It's so good. You got to watch. You got to watch it. If you By like Squid the- Game. You got to watch it. Got to watch it. By the way, I'm near, I think I have two episodes left, so I I don't know the big reveal yet. Like, there's some sort of, you said they stick the landing, right? Oh, dude. I, I felt like they 1000% stuck the landing. I didn't think they were going to. I thought there was no way they were going to. And I felt very satisfied by that. Ending. That's awesome. Because I feel right now, I'm like, there's no, like, they kind of went in a few different directions. And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm glad to hear that. So I'll finish it. I feel like they pulled it out. Let me know what you think when you get there. Okay. All right, turning it back to you, sir. This game has been making the rounds. It's really kind of blown up in the indie circles, in the indie dev circles. It's called Unpacking. Um, it's put out by Witchbeam, who are some great guys. Uh, they recently put out uh, a Twin Stick Shooter, which I absolutely assault. Android Cactus, I believe it's called. I didn't hmm. do that wrong. Uh, forgive me if I got that wrong. But I, ha- I had a great time with that a couple years ago. I thought that was really fun. Uh, this is the next game they're putting out. I believe they're working with someone. I think they're just publishing. I don't think that they made it themselves. Uh, but it's called Unpacking. Uh, my son played it on Xbox Game Pass. He just finished it today. He loved it. And a lot of people in my time man, love it. I did play it for a bit. But you are really bringing the one. Uh, you're the one bringing this to the show, Carlos. So what do you think about Unpacking? Tell us all about it, what it is, what you think, and how you like it. Yeah, um, I, uh, again, found out about it from Indie Gaming Guild, who I find out about all my indie games now, besides our podcast, which we, we you know, we break some news here uh, and some indie games, but I do watch his channel all the time, so go check him out on YouTube. But um, I originally saw it there. I love the art style. So what this game is, is a meditative experience, something I say all the time, I think every episode. Um, but yeah, it's this kind of chill uh, 8-bit, 16-bit graphics style game, um, you know, little dioramas. And in those little dioramas or different like little rooms, you are basically unpacking stuff uh, and then putting it around the room. And that's like the whole game. 
But like literally unpacking, taking shit out of a cardboard yes. box as if you had just moved. As have you? Yeah. And this is the setup is that you start and you basically just pick like a book and put your name on it. And then the book opens up and it picks a year. And basically it's going through a person's life. And so the first book is 1997, which made me feel old because <laughs> that is not when I was a younger person. That's Someone's when I, life is just starting in 1997. Yes, that does make me feel a bit old as well. In 1997, I was working at Cinnabon, and I just moved to Seattle, and I had like frosting all over my hands, and I, you know, I was tired every night. And then I worked at a video store. So, anyways, you kind of just go with the fact that you're, you know, in this fictitious person's, you know, life. And the first one again is the kind of younger person, and then you go like you have your own apartment, and it kind of goes after you unpack everything. There's like a win condition, and then when you beat that board, you go to the next year or whatever. Um, in the first, it starts at 1997, then it jumps to 2004, though. So, you know, it says like, okay, now you're like a lot older and you have your own apartment. And then when it opens up, it's interesting because then it gives you more rooms. So the first board is just one room, like you're, you know, decorating your bedroom. Right, and, like, like a kid's room. Like a kid's room, yeah, with, you know, the Game Boy and everything. It's kind of cool to see some of the stuff from your childhood. And then the second one is an apartment, and then it goes from there and expands. And I won't, I won't kind of ruin it because it's kind of a story in that way. Um, and the second one, yeah, is really cool because there's a bathroom and a kitchen, and your bedroom and your little desk and your computer, and your CRT monitor. And it was it was fun, you know, it's fun to do and it's relaxing. I was playing on Game Pass as well. Miraculously, it's great on a controller. And you think like this is a perfect game for mouse and keyboard because it's like you're literally placing things around in a little diorama, but it works so well on a controller. Don't you think? I do think it works really well on a controller. I, I had no problems with it. I thought it worked uh, really well. They thought it through very carefully. So I really liked it. I feel like it's uh, it feels very comfortable. Yeah. And you can rotate the objects around really easily and actually auto rotates objects, which I don't know if it does that in the PC version, but like if you just like kind of put a poster near a wall it'll like you know make it go out into a poster or like a book you put a book a certain way it'll just like rotate it for you it almost yeah like kind of snaps to grid sort of snaps yeah. to grid exactly which again all makes you feel really relaxed like this is such a relaxing experience yeah it's really good to play um i have two problems with the game okay the first problem is you don't get to pick a gender in the beginning so they just give you boys and girls stuff and what I mean by that is, literally, when you're unpacking your first apartment, you're taking out some bras. Uh, yes, you know, that's true. And you're also taking out other th- clothing and T-shirts and things that you might wear as a guy, me being a guy. But it doesn't make any sense. Like, I mean, I felt like I just assumed you're a woman because I saw the bra and some of the socks and stuff. I'm like, it seems to me like you are a female character. Just say that then, though. You know what I mean? I don't even have a problem with it at I mean, all. I guess, you know, environmental storytelling, I guess they want you to pick it up, I suppose. I guess. It's just, it's one little thing you could have put in the UI and be like, either pick a guy or girl or or just your girl and this is what's going on. Yeah. But like, there's no, again, there's no tutorial. There doesn't need to be because it's very obvious what you have to do. But because there's like no like narration in the beginning and it's all told through this just, you know, doing it, it just felt a little weird. I don't know. Unpacking bras and unpacking like, you know, pink socks and stuff like that. I was like, I guess I'm a girl. But then there were other things that like totally could be, you know, for both. 
Um, I mean, maybe that's commentary, right? Maybe they're saying, hey, you can be a girl and like all this stuff, too. Maybe that's the point of it. I guess. Or it, what? how I took it is like, I'm both. And I guess that's OK, too. Like, <laughs> exactly. I just felt like. I, I don't know that that's what they're shooting for. Yeah, um, I know. I, I guess know. that's I guess that's a possible interpretation. I was just very confused. It made me confused. And now we have to have a whole separate podcast about how I feel after unpacking. No, that's the only weird thing. It just just say you're a girl. What was what was your other problem? Um, oh, that's that there's winning conditions at all. Like, I, I don't <laughs> I don't even think I wanted that in this game because just hear me out. Like it's it's so cool looking and it feels really good. And there's like, you know, it's so simple. And I was like stressed today and I was like sat down and it made me unstressed, weirdly enough. And I was like excited to put things in my kitchen. But then I was like, oh, wait, but all these things have a red outline on them, which means they don't want me to put them there, but they are fine there. You know, my, <laughs> my cassette player should be where I want it to be. And they're like, nope, you know what? That's got to be somewhere else. Did you, yes. you didn't think that was weird? I hated it. I fucking hated right. that part of it. So I will. Yeah. Okay. So just to, to really clarify what's going on, like as you're unpacking, you, uh, you know, you start out with one room, but pretty soon you have, you know, like a couple rooms, like you have a bedroom and bathroom, or maybe you got a living room, bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, like, you know, it, it gets bigger. And sometimes you get these items and you put them somewhere that you, the player think, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to put that there. That's where I'd put that. And then as you get close to the end of the level, like a little red outline appears and that's, they don't explain this at all, but like you cannot progress until you pick up the thing that has a red outline and put it in a different room because that's their way of saying this thing doesn't belong there. And I'm like, why not? Who's telling me it doesn't belong there? And not and just I actually I'm sorry, oh, but not just a different room, but the same room in a different place. Yeah, that it could be in a different room or it could be you're, you got it in the wrong drawer or in the wrong thing. Yeah. And to me, it's like, OK, so let's just back up a little bit. You've told me literally nothing about this game. You just start me off. There's no tutorial. I don't even know who I am, as we just covered a second ago. Right. And it's all just about this random unpacking of stuff, which to me felt like very zen and relaxing, which I think it is. But then you get to the end and it's like, I got like four things out of a red outline. And I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm like, where the fuck do they go? Like, it doesn't make any sense where they go or why. Like, what is the logic? Who cares if I put a fucking spoon on top of the, uh, you know, the countertop? It, why does it have to go in the drawer? Like, what is, what's the big deal? I don't get it. Um, so that really fucking irritated me. There is an option in the menu to turn that off. There is? Clearly, oh my goodness. Yep, they clearly knew that was going to piss some people off and it did piss me off. I did not like it at all. And in fact, I, I tweeted the, the devs about it and I'm like, what gives? Like, this is, this sucks. And they're like, well, we're trying to tell a story. There's a real deep story. And, you know, part of it unfolds by how you put things away. And I'm like, cool, but it just it just does not working for me. But, like, you know, 80% of the stuff I'd put away just fine. The last four or five things I could not, I, you know, it was just a drag. Like I was basically just randomly putting it there and here or there and trying to hope it would just belong. Right. To that point though, if they're trying to tell a story again, just give us like one cutscene. Nintendo games have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. One yeah. little graphic of a woman, a girl and say, this is her story and whatever. And then I get an idea of where to put things too. But I think that they just failed on that part because, yeah. I think they could have done a little bit more. Like, I get what they're saying. And after you play a couple rooms, like, you see certain items carry through this person's life. Some some things go away. You can tell by the, the space that they're in. Kind of, you can make some assumptions about what's happening. So I think that's all pretty cool. Um, but the red outline thing really kind of pissed me off. And I got to be honest with you. There were a couple items I had no idea what they were. Like, I, like I'm looking at it and, like, 
I just did not recognize what this thing was, and I didn't know where it was supposed to go. Right, because it's 16-bit, and it's a little bit tricky sometimes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things were very obvious, like shirts and clothes and books and all that fine. But, like, you know, there was a couple things, not not a ton, but there were a couple things where I'm like, I have literally no idea what this thing is, and I don't know where it goes, and it's red, and I can't progress because I don't know where it goes. And I was wishing that, like, you could, you know, click a button, and it would say, oh, this is a can opener, or this is a... Pencil or box, or a little you know. dialogue box about the story and be like, this is my favorite thing, and this is where I usually, you know what I mean? Like, this is where yeah. I put it. Like, I always take my, or I always put my diary in the drawer, which is one of the first things in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, you can't put diary little, in the desk. A little rationale. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the things that tripped me up, too. A little rationale about what you're doing and why would kind of nudge you in the right direction. But, you know, like I said, they do let you turn it off if you don't want to hassle with it, which I did because I didn't want to hassle. I'm with doing it. that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it's a really awesome idea. I love different experiences like this. I love that this is a thing that somebody took the time to make this. The graphics are really cute. I think it's a great concept. I mean, my son loved it. Um, but honestly, I kind of stalled out about halfway through. Um, I just kind of got bored. I just wasn't getting enough story out of it. And to be perfectly honest, I feel like there was too many things to put away. There was a lot like, of things. Those boxes yeah. held a lot of things. Yeah. It was just like, I think this is really cool and neat. But then it was like, oh my God, like how many boxes? Like I, just, I felt like I was moving for real. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And I, I think if it was shorter and it's only like a three hour experience or something like that in total, it's a short game, but I feel like each, when you get to those later rooms, it's just like, okay, dude, I, I don't want to put these things away anymore. I've already put a bunch away. I'm ready to do something different. So at first I was playing it one room a day and then I'm just like, I'm good. Like, I don't want to put things away anymore. I wish there was just like a little bit more to it, but yeah. I love the idea. I love that. It's so different. I love that. It's super fresh. I mean, it's blowing up in my circles. A lot of people are really loving it and that's cool. My son loves it too, which is great. Not a perfect dead on home run for me, but I do like a lot of things about it. Here's one thing I would like. I would like, um, maybe like a container type thing. So you can put like, I know you had to like stack things, but like sometimes maybe you could just put a bunch of stuff in like a bucket, you know? <laughs> Cause like at some point there was a, like a lot of little things, like on a racer and shit. And I was like, yeah, can I just throw all that in like one? Like, you know, that's what I would do. In like in a life. junk drawer, just throw it in the junk yeah, drawer or like worry a basket yeah. or something. So that, cause you're right. There is a lot of stuff, but um, I'm going to end on a positive note because like you said, I think it's, novel and interesting and yeah for I, sure I'm gonna noteworthy turn, for sure i'm gonna yes. turn that thing off like you told me and i'm literally gonna play it later tonight because i really do like that and i do see that what you're saying you know after you've just kind of decided that you're a girl that some of those through line objects it, do tell a story in that way it can yeah, be something simple neat. yeah like a Game Boy, then you keep it for a long time. And it's just, it's, it's stuffed animals that, that stay with you from your very first room all the way to your last room. Right, right, right. The stuffed yeah. animals. Yeah. I didn't really want them around anymore. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, so that is cool. But the other thing is that, like, it reminded me, even though I wasn't, you know, a girl or a young woman, it was still like, you know, going through life. So some of that stuff, like I had the CRT monitor. I had those those graphic pens, you know, the colored pencils or whatever they are. Sure, sure, sure. Like there was so many, like the band poster. So I did appreciate that aspect of it a lot because it's like, oh, I'm kind of reliving a little bit of like, you know, the stuff I did. Um, I, I highly recommend it still, even with all those, you know, nitpicks. Oh, yeah. And if you have Game Pass, I mean, just give it a try on Game Pass. Why not? I think if nothing else, it's absolutely worth checking out just because it's so different and fresh and creative. I mean, just check it out for that, if nothing else. Yeah. 
All right, Carlos, we're going to stick with you for a minute. Pumpkin Jack. This is a game that came out, I want to say, last year at Halloween time. They just got a port to a couple new platforms. So, you know, PS, uh, the new PS5, Xbox, SNS. I think it's on other things as well. So tell us all about Pumpkin Jack. I mean, we're, we're doing, I guess, a post-Halloween spooky game roundup since we did the VR stuff. And we're going to include this, too. It's a little bit late for Halloween, but you can still get in on some of that fun. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like again, I did relearn this. I knew of this game for a while, but then I relearned it by watching Indie Gaming Guild, because he was saying in his like Halloween roundup uh, video that he plays this every year, and I like that idea of like playing a scary game, you know, every Halloween. And he's like, "This is just a great one to play." And I think it only came out a couple years ago, but he's played it, you know. Uh, I was just going to say, didn't it come out just last year? Like, how can he play it every year if it came out last year? I think he was talking about all the games, yeah, he was playing. Oh, I was like, man, it's not that old, dude. Like, what are you talking about? But also, like, he's played this more than once. He's played it, you know, when it came out. But that being said, I have always wanted to play it. And now, you know me, uh, high-fidelity snob guy, I don't want to play anything that's not 60 frames per second, baby. So this is on my PS5 and in 60 frames per second. And How is it? It's buttery smooth. It's a great platformer. This is, you know, you play as um, a spirit, uh, and you have you get you get the body of a pumpkin man with a pumpkin head, but you're actually like a, a mischievous spirit in real life. And, and this is like a third person kind of a mascot style platformer, right? Yeah, like it's style straight platformer. up Super Mario sixty four, right? That style game, Banjo Kazooie, all that stuff. So you are third person running around as a pumpkin man pumpkin head guy but you're actually a spirit and the devil i think i'm pretty sure it's the devil uh or a high demon at least has uh <laughs> conjured you up to uh and this is a very interesting premise by the way basically there's all these monsters in the world and like you know they're doing well and they're kind of like you know fucking shit up but a wizard comes along not a warrior a wizard and he's like gonna like defeat all the monsters so let's call him the devil i think is the devil he says hey uh, you know, crafty guy, Jack, why don't you go out and uh, defeat the wizard? So you're like the bad guy. But Yeah, you are kind of an anti-hero. That's true. You're an anti-hero, but along the way, you're also killing monsters. So yes. you're kind of going against anybody in your way to get to the wizard. And you get a lot of weapons, so there's a lot of different like types of things, like uh, sickle and a gun and uh, just like magical powers and stuff. In the very beginning, you get a bird, and you can send the bird to your to your bidding, which I think is great. And it's just done perfectly. Like, it's a great platformer. Like, just top of the line. Top of the line platformer. You want a platformer? You're in the mood for a platformer? I got you a platformer. 60 frames per second. Pumpkin Jack. It's great for Halloween time. It's spooky. And one other thing I'll say, uh, there's one negative one and one interesting thing. The interesting thing okay. is you can solve puzzles and it's not my favorite part of the game, but at some point you go and your head is, you're just the head. And you go around like and solve puzzles with your head and physics and stuff. Okay. I don't like it. Like, I don't know why it's in here. <laughs> I, I, I just, that's the only part I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. So that was not fun because I was like, I had already beefed up this pumpkin jack guy with my sickle and everything. I'm like kicking ass. And then you like basically become like weaker. And you're just like this little head. So I don't know why those are in there. But the other thing that's good, besides it being like, you know, spooky from the time, is that it just feels like, um, oh, no, no, there's a bad thing. Another bad thing. 
Uh oh. Yeah, sorry. I had two bad things. I don't like the pu- puzzles. And the other thing is that some of the platforming, you know, is like that kind of race, and there's all sorts of stuff going around you, and you've got to like do it, do it in the moment, platforming style. Okay. You know, like it, you, you you can't wait around. It's not like an open world. It's like, hey, this part of the board is like you've got to run really fast. Yeah, like they they you cannot take your time. Like they are rushing you for whatever reason right. to get to the yes. end. That you got to hurry up. Those I ate shit on a lot. So. <laughs> I was like, am I getting worse in my old age at platformers? Or is it did they just do a bad job of like the ledges? Cause I just feel like the ledges I sometimes was missing. And I think it's the mechanics. Because, you know, I'm not the best, but also I just feel like there's sometimes it wasn't me. It was like I should have like got that ledge. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. But that's the only small thing. But I mean, it's like super fun, super colorful. It's literally perfect for Halloween, and I got to play it on Halloween, so thanks again. I think we got a code for this one, didn't we? We did, yes. Yeah, so thanks to the developer, publisher, um, publisher's head up. Uh, developer's one guy, Nicholas? Yeah, I believe it is one guy. Yeah, Holy pretty crap, pretty good achievement for Nicholas. just one, one dude. Yeah. All right, never mind what I said about the, the platforms. It's no, fine. you feel bad now, huh? <laughs> well, one dude. This game's incredible for one dude. Um, it's awesome. I mean, I can't speak highly enough. And I, again, I, this is the definitive edition to play the one with the high frame rate because it, it really shines. There you go. That is Pumpkin Jack. Um, we did not get to it before Halloween, but you know, we are still in the post-Halloween yeah. glow. If you still want some spooky stuff, or even if you don't care, it's just a just a good platform it's to a, jump. It's into, a great right? platform, and also Thanksgiving has pumpkins. <clears throat> you know, it's very true. Maybe you turn yourself into a pie at the end of the game. Who knows? I don't think that happens. All right. I'm going to take over for a second here. Let's talk about uh, the Dark Pictures House of Ashes, the latest in the series of spoopy, I mean, kind of party games, I guess, from Supermassive. And by the way, Um, we have never talked about hardly any of them on this podcast, right? Haven't we? I feel like we have. Have we not? We keep talking about, I remember we talk about them when they come out, but like, I don't know if we talked about them on the show much. I don't know. I'll have to look in the archives. I, I hmm. seriously do not remember. Uh, but then again, I do not remember what I had for breakfast. That's so true. I guess don't hold that against me. Um, but I we in the Galloway House really love these games a lot, starting with Until Dawn. And then it went to I mean, there was like two other ones, uh, which I totally cannot recall at this moment. Please forgive me. Uh, but House of Ashes is the latest one. And in our house, we just we get together on the couch. and We play these together like we we really enjoy the kind of B B movie horror vibe that they all put out. And it's a you know usually have a group of teenagers who are slightly horny and are prone to death and you go through these spooky environments and you try to make choices to try to keep as many alive or if you don't like them you try to get them killed that can be almost as fun um so i think they've been kind of on a a good track ever since until dawn uh this is the latest one and this one is a kind of a change of pace rather than uh, a scooby-doo-ish gang of kids in a spooky location you have a group of soldiers and this takes place during the Iraq war. Like there's even like pictures of like Saddam Hussein uh, and they show like the, the soldiers that you control taking over his palace. Like when the United States was kind of like doing all that stuff. Oh, that's wow. a whole hot so topic. A period yeah. piece kind of in a way too. It is kind of. Yeah. And that's a whole, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. I'm going to just put that aside for now. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about, whether that was the right thing to do and you know oh we don't oh i don't know that's not at this particular moment maybe later for a post-show thing but that's the setting right you're a group of soldiers american soldiers in iraq you just took over saddam's palace 
and you're still looking for those weapons of mass destruction that never turn up. At this time in the game, you don't know that those things are fiction like we do now in real life. Um, so you're still searching for them. You hear that he's got a stash nearby his palace, like it's like his cave. And you guys go to investigate. It's dark. It's spooky. I'm not going to say any more about it. Uh, but it is pretty cool. Uh, and, and there's a new mode, which I believe this is the first time they've ever done. It's called... Do not remember, but it's called like the play on the couch mode or something like that, where if you're sitting with people on a couch, you can assign certain characters in the game to each of the people who is in real life. And every time that person gets their turn, you pass the controller back and forth so that everybody gets a chance to play a little segment for each character. Oh, that's um, in really the past, smart. We would just, yeah, it's really fun. It's really cool. In the past, we would just have one person be the designated controller. We would pause whenever a choice came up, and then we would discuss on the couch, what do you want to do? Do we like this guy? Do we not like this guy? Do we want to get him killed? Do we want to save him? Like, you know, we'd have these little discussions at every choice point. But at this time, each person can steer for one separate person uh, in the game, which I think is pretty neat, because then you can kind of go against each other. You don't necessarily have to vote. Everybody can be in charge of whatever they want to do, whether that works towards the team's advantage or not. It's a great idea, a great mechanic, and I think it really plays to the strength of these games, which is, for us anyway... Getting together on the couch, just like you would like get a group of friends to watch a scary movie, you know, like just getting and watching these people go through these weird situations and waiting for people to die. And it's just a, it's a really fun time. I'm really enjoying it so far. That's so cool. Yeah, I remember um, I did see a preview of this and we did mention it on the show because I remember that it being a military game this time, which yes, is yes, different yes. for the for the series. And this might be the last in its like trilogy or something. It is the last in the first trilogy that they announced, but as you boot up the game for the very first time, or maybe some, they just announced another one. Like, so there, there's more coming. Like, it may uh, okay. be a different trilogy. I don't know if it's in the game, or maybe I was reading some PR or something, but there is a new one coming. I feel like I've been out of these games for so long. I literally played, I think, only until dawn. And oh man, you got like three other ones to catch up on. I know, but I don't know. I might, I might want to wait for this new trilogy. All I know is until dawn was a great experience. And I really did like it. And I remember, like, you know, me with these kind of choose your own adventure games, I only played it once because I wanted, like, that's my ending. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure. And it was really great because, like, like, literally hearing other people's endings was pretty different. And, how, you know, who stayed alive and who died. Um, these are really cool games. So I'm glad to hear this one's good. And I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah, we haven't finished it yet, but we're having a blast just going through it. And we love just, like, passing it back and forth and just talking about, oh, this guy's a douche and I don't like this guy and, oh, I like this person. I want them to live and, you know, no spoilers or anything, but it's, it's going really well and I think this is just a really fun series and, you know, we like some of the games better than others in the series, but they're all a good time um, because it's a good social experience. It brings us together as a family. We love, you know, covering our eyes when someone's about to eat it and, like, seeing these surprise deaths and we're all just, like, groaning on the couch like, oh, I didn't want that guy to die, etc., etc. So these are really fun. I love this series, I love what Supermassive is doing. I will play literally every single one of these that they put out, uh, good or bad, because I think they're all just great for the social aspect. Um, but this one, really good so far. House of Ashes, I love this new mechanic. And just by the way, you can play it by yourself. You can also play it online with a friend. They give you different camera perspectives, I believe, so you don't see what the other person's doing, which adds a whole new spin to it. So there's multiple ways to play. Uh, there's, there's something for everybody here. And uh, last thing I'll say about it is it must be really interesting because, again, in hindsight, we know of that historical period time. And to, you know, to play from that perspective must be really a whole other thing. It's not just the horror part of it. It's like there's a little bit of history there, too. 
It definitely adds a layer, and I feel like we're probably going to get into that as we get further on in the game, because I think that is definitely something to consider. Like, you are American soldiers in foreign territory. As we know now, we did terrible things for really no reason, and the whole thing was a sham. And so that, you know, in hindsight, adds another layer to what's happening. And it does color our choices, I think. So yeah, it's yeah. pretty interesting so far. I don't know how it turns out yet, but we are going to find out. I probably will give you a quick update next week. I feel like we'll probably finish it by then. Okay. So far, thumbs up. Groovy. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Carlos, over to you for a new game, which I don't know a lot about, but it's called Toonche. Uh, I didn't know how to pronounce it. You, you told me the pronunciation. Thank you for that. It, some kind of a 2D, kind of a brawler sort of a game, but it's based on what South American um, like themes or aesthetics. It's not something that we get too often. Why don't you tell us about Toonche? Yeah. Um, again, one of the things I alluded to earlier, I played a lot of roguelikes this week and I didn't know I was going to play them because this game's oh, a, is roguelike. This a roguelike as well. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> again, in the paragraph on Steam, it says Toonche is a charming hand-drawn action game with roguelike elements. The elements part, they might as well just say it's a roguelike game that's charming hand-drawn action. Are the elements the entire game? Yeah, it, you're, it's a roguelike. You know, you literally don't win you know their first run and and they do the thing that i don't like um what's it called the what's that damn game called with the boyfriend boyfriend dungeon uh, oh, okay where it throws mobs at you you know so i never like that in games because it's like you're just doing that on purpose because you know that i can't handle all that you know so anyways right. there's a lot to like here i still probably am going to already recommend it uh just for at least people to check out um it's totally affordable it's like 15 16 dollars um, so I dig it. It's basically you play at, you have uh, many characters. You have like five different characters and they're a little party and there's a hub world cause it's a roguelike game. And again, the artwork is a beautiful, beautiful hand-drawn style. Uh, it's a 2.5 D, which means you can go, you know, in the front and back of the two D landscape foreground and background foreground and background. Thank you very much. And it's a beat em up, so you're going left to right and beating up things, but it's definitely like stages, right? So you're not like going for a while in a traditional sense from left to right. You're going just to get to a little area where it stops you and then you fight things. Old school, double dragon style. Um, and what you're fighting is basically monsters. You're in a jungle. You're going towards this infamous Tunche, who you're supposed to like find out about later. And there's kind of, I guess, some. Some stuff there, story-wise, I won't talk about. Um, I haven't got super far, but basically the whole game is hub world, pick your character, uh, upgrade stuff. The good news is a lot of upgrades are pretty much across the board for everybody. So you can do a lot of that kind of you know, general improvements. Um, you can do specific improvements as well. I picked like the little kid. There's They're all little kids, but I picked the little boy. And he had like these really uh, interesting um, blades on his arms, so he attacked that way. So each person has a kind of a different way they attack, and you can do special moves. And again, you're unlocking special moves with things you get. It's a roguelike, right? You just get orbs, and there's so many different orbs. <laughs> there's like five different currencies in this game. And once that started happening, you know, that's kind of where I nope out because I I don't want to collect a bunch of different currency and upgrade myself. I just wanted to go left to right. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. It's The characters are lovable. The characters you meet along the way are really cool. Um, again, it's a different perspective, which is nice. There's a lot of positives. 
But I don't know if I'm going to finish it because, again, near the end of where I got, you know, getting to bosses and stuff, just even getting to a boss, like let's say the board before the boss, you're not getting um, health back from enemies lots of times, which I don't know if that's a roguelike thing, but I, I call it a bullshit thing. <laughs> where, like, say you beat, a, you know, I beat like 30 of these little monsters and I got one orb of health. And, you know, that. For, say I have like 30% left, the one orb gives me like 35%. That happened uh, in a okay. lot of boards. And what they're doing is they're saying, hey, you need to spend your one of the currencies on health potions. And and as you go along in the different boards, you meet, and this is, again, very traditional roguelike, you meet like mer- uh, vendors, right? Okay. Isn't that like very traditional where you like, after a certain oh, yeah. amount of boards, oh, yeah. you get a vendor, you know? I mean, sometimes, like, roguelikes will, like, randomize it. So, like, maybe you'll find them in a level or something. But, yeah, there's always a, a shopkeeper or somebody like that, for sure. Yeah, a shopkeeper. And then and and, uh, and the other thing that is kind of interesting is that when you finish a board, lots of times you have a choice. So you can pick, like, you know, this little icon, which means vendor or person or NPC or, like, and you know, different things. So hey, they want you to find these vendors and then spend your currency that you probably amassed over runs to be okay health potion wise but they're not gonna like get you out of a bind if you get like real close to a boss and you have like 20 percent health left and no health potions you're dying you know what i mean yeah you're dying yeah so i just do you i'm never a fan you of die, that like uh, that sounds rough but i kind of wonder is the point of it like they want you to i guess so do they want you to buff one character over and over through a grind or that do they want you to rotate through the other characters like if you lose one are you supposed to rotate the next one up or, or how does that work exactly? No, they don't give you... It doesn't seem like there's any... Um, it's not slanted either way because it's like you can upgrade anybody you want. And I, it wasn't like really... My character wasn't failing. It just felt like I didn't have enough overall upgrades. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And it's like they just wanted me to do many runs. And it's, it's very apparent, you know? And I that's the thing that makes me want to know about these games because I just don't want to do a million runs. You know, I'd rather just go through this and have a great experience and see the characters and I love the design and the animations are really great, but here's what happened at the end of it. But you know, the noping out uh, moment mm-hmm. is I was at like, yeah, really f- far stage had spent all my life health potions and I had bought in a bunch and I'd spent them and I'm doing well. Like there's a really cool mechanic that like uh, you can juggle enemies and which is in a lot of games. But this one feels good. Like I juggle enemies up into the air. I jump in the air. I do combos on them. And I was just like, I felt like in the flow, you know, these games. I felt in the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And then my fingers got tired. Just straight up. (laughs) I I mean, I'm being super honest. I was just, my fingers were tired. I had hit like, you know, 70 combos in a row. it's, It's just too much. It's just, in my opinion... I don't know, again, if it's the age and my arthritis or something, but uh, it's not my age. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that either. Like, I kind of, for me, any game where you have to push a bunch of buttons, if there's an option to just hold, that's that's a win for me because I don't really get a lot of entertainment value from mashing a button 85,000 times. Like, that's just, I mean, again, yes, I'm definitely an older player, uh, wear and tear and joints aren't what they used to be, but, like, just, just mashing a button like that is not fun to me. I would rather just hold it down. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And also, I was just checking out a review on Steam, and they were saying it reminded them of Castle Crashers, which, again, I love Castle Crashers. 
Alien Hamid, all those guys. The, I forgot what the developer name. Behemoth, Behemoth. Behemoth. Yeah. Um, those games again, you can die and come back. There's lives. It's not a traditional roguelike at all, but it's more like, hey, we're just going to go left to right as far as we can. But I just don't feel like it's like throwing mobs at you, right? <clears throat> and that's another thing that they mention in this review is that there's so many things to love about it, the hand-drawn art style, the feel of Castle Crashers, but then at some point you just feel overwhelmed, you know? And I just feel like, especially with the bosses, it's like I just wanted to run away. <laughs> and it's just tough. I... I I'm split on if I could recommend it. There's, oh. yeah. Well, you know, I really like the art style. We don't get a lot of stuff that has like a South American vibe to it. So I'm always interested in exploring, you know, what those artists, what those cultures can bring to games. I'm sure there's a lot that we're missing out on that we don't get. But I mean, I what you're saying in terms of actual gameplay about the leveling up and the amount of life and the, the bashing the button a million times. Uh, and honestly, I didn't care for Castle Crashers at all. Oh, so really? Wow. Yeah, I did not, could not stand it. So if you are making that parallel, I think I'm going to know about it this one. Yeah. That, here's another benefit, though, a positive. It has a character called Hat Kid, and I just love that. Oh, yeah, that's from uh, A Hat in Time. I heard that, that oh, that's, that's a right. guest, it's a crossover. A guest indie character crossover. Exactly. I love when they do that. Again, animations right. are top-notch. It's fluid as hell. The action's fun. These are all positives, people. If you like roguelikes more than I do and can deal with a bunch of mobs and and really difficult bosses, this is all you. This is all you, right? Sounds like a perfect one for brawler fans. Yeah. So there you go. All right, that is Tunche, T-U-N-C-H-E. Uh, Carlos, let's keep it going on the same tip. Nickelodeon, uh, what is it? Nickelodeon oh, All-Star Oh, no, we're doing Brawl? this one next. <laughs> yeah, let's do this one next. We're kind of talking about fighting-ish games. We're okay. kind of in the same basket. So let's talk about... Nickelodeon was it Nickelodeon All Star Brawl? Let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so this game is uh, Super Smash Brothers with Nickelodeon characters. Okay, same kind of two D uh, side side view sort of a thing. Yep. And uh, okay. And we're moving on. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, no, I was never gonna like this. I mean, it's 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 kind of like set up for failure. I don't like Super Smash Brothers. Okay, so that's it. Okay, I'm not a fan of it either. So and I'm not gonna play disclosure. multiplayer games against people and and try to do all these combos. It's just not gonna happen. That said, and that out of the way, that this isn't a game for Carlos uh, or Brad. It is a perfect game for someone who likes Super Smash Brothers and wants a different uh, set of characters, right? Because one thing, by the way, it's so like bright and colorful. I can't express this enough. Like the characters almost look like, like uh, what's his name uh, from the Turtles, um, Michelangelo or one of the Turtles, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like the model they show before the game starts looks like an actual toy. Like it's like incredible. Like the graphics when they're showing the portraits and stuff are. I can't stress it enough, but they're fantastic. It's like I would like this kind of graphics in more games. It's just like this super colorful, almost like re- like super realistic looking um, d- depictions of these characters. So that's a positive. Uh, and the other thing is that, yeah, if you're a kid, I think it's definitely uh, kid-oriented. Uh, and if you like Super Smash Brothers, it's that. But you got Ren and Stimpy, uh, which is great. I played them immediately. That's the first person I played as. Uh, well, you, you, you control both of them. And also for a Ren and Stimpy, uh, Super uh, Powdered Toast Man is in it. Powdered Toast Man? Yeah. Okay, sure. I was just going to ask you who else is in here. I see they've got some. Oh, Invader uh, Zim. Uh, <clears throat> Invader Zim, Avatar the Last Airbender, yep. SpongeBob, 
a couple characters I do not recognize. I don't know the what the turtles. Loud the house turtles is. in there. Um, there's a lot of great characters, and I'm sure there's more unlockables that I don't know about. And they're all done, you know, animated beautifully. It's just not my style of game. But yeah. um, the only other negative I'll say, besides the negative that I'm not don't want to play it, is uh, Ren and Stimpy, who I love and have a long history with watching the show when it first came out. Um, they don't control well. And that bummed me out because you play as both of them at the same time. Okay. I already don't like that. Like, I'd rather have just be Ren and and or Stimpy, you know, because it like the move set's really weird. And I can play these games, so I know like move sets and how to, you know, I know how to do all the moves in them. Um, I just feel like Super Smash Brothers is faster overall. This one feels a little slower. And some of the characters I picked didn't feel fluid, namely Ren and Stimpy, who I really wanted to like. Like one of the moves is Ren is holding on to Stimpy and Stimpy like, you know, scoots his butt out or like hits his eyeballs out of his head. But like the range is so short for that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like a person punching. It's like a little character holding on to another character and that character is like sticking his butt out, you know? Yeah, well, I'm looking at a list that looks like someone is ranked all of the lists or all the characters in terms of worst to best. And it looks like Ren and Stimpy is pretty close to the bottom. It has to be. It's just like this. It seems like a missed opportunity because it's such a good. There's just such great characters. And they had one of the moves was really funny to watch. Like Ren was like yelling at Stimpy and stuff. And and they have these little quotes from this from the series. But Potter Toastman was like my my go-to guy because he was like this guy running around jumping kicking and stuff um anyways that's my uh, another great gripe is that i wish they would have animated them better uh, other than that it is super smash brothers with nickelodeon people if you like that it's done very well and that's it there you go okay moving on moving on moving on uh inscription that's another one that is really lighting up in the indie circles right now getting a lot of love uh, this is coming from the same developer as Pony Island, which made uh, waves a couple years ago. I remember that one just being everybody's favorite game that year. Um, so Inscription, I don't know a lot about it, but it's on PC, some kind of a card game. But the the developer, and I forget his name, uh, it's, it's like a person's name uh, and, and not a studio. Uh, but their jam is kind of like glitchy games, weird buggy games, kind of ghost in the machine games hidden themes that kind of unravel as you play deeper and deeper kind of head trippy stuff. Uh, I'm very curious about this one. I'm very much looking forward to playing it when it comes to like an actual uh, console or something, but you're playing it on PC now. Uh, what do you make of uh, inscription Carlos? Yeah. Did you play Pony Island? I did not, but everybody in the world around me played it. And I kind of like, I feel like I osmosis it inside. Oh me. yeah. I think I definitely mentioned on the show. Cause I know I played it. Um, maybe I didn't mention it on the show, but uh, I just gonna shout out to that game. It's like five dollars on Steam. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's on every platform or whatever. But we will go check that out. But this this is very much a Pony Island game. So this is a uh, remember Frog Fractions. Yes, that was also another one. I did actually play that one, but that was another one that kind of like everybody in the indie world was talking about for a while. One of those landmark games for sure. Right. It's basically the kind of game where you know it's not what it seems. And those are fun right. because, you know, we we talk about every game that's ever made on this podcast. And if we say roguelike and if we say platformer and we say RPG, you've got an idea what it is. But these games, 
and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but very few developers are doing this style, which is you start the game thinking you know what it is, and then it switches it. And then it goes, no, it's this. And then it switches it again, and it just kind of keeps fucking with you, which, right, we don't talk about those kind of games on the show much. No, I mean, that's definitely like, it's generally a PC indie sort of a thing where you kind of like, you think you're getting one thing and then you get something else. You don't see that a lot on console. And as you know, since I play most of my stuff on console, I don't, I don't get a lot of those experiences. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of its own thing. I don't know what you'd even call that, like the, the bait and switch genre or the secret game genre or something like that. But yeah, there's definitely a few of them out there. And, and um, Pony Island was like one of the biggest ones right along with Frog Fractions. I think if you if you want to get a taste of what this genre is all about, those are two good places to start. And there's another game I'm forgetting now. It's slipping in my mind, but it's like a, I think it was a text adventure I played. Yeah, it was a text adventure. Ooh, we talked about it on the show. And someone listening, like, send me a tweet, Onawa, O-N-A-W-A, because I'm going to forget what it is. But it was a text adventure I played, and it turned into, like, a horror game because it was supposed to be, like, you had, like, an AI buddy. Or was it called AI buddy? That'd be hilarious. I don't know if it's called AI buddy, but that's also very much in the vein of... Um... Oh, what was that game that was making all the rounds? It was uh, the book club or something. It was on Steam. Oh my god, it was like so famous. We don't know either of the names of these games, but you get. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, you look it up and look up look up up. uh, AI text chat buddy or something horror game. So those games are awesome. I love this style. Again, like I just said, it's very rare. Um, What this game starts as because this is similar to Pony Island and other games. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but what this game does is it starts off as. well, it does kind of give you an idea that you're a character in a kind of first person world. You know, you're 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 you, you know, playing a game. And there's kind of a mysterious figure in the distance, and the mysterious figure is telling you that you should play this card game with them. And the card game is kind of like a roguelike, which is funny. Again, roguelikes. Uh, but it's definitely different because different than maybe certain roguelikes I've played, when you die in this game, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you should die, and it's planned in that way. Um, Yes, I know Roguelike wants you to die, but this is different because this has got narrative attached to it. Um, So let's just say, like, the first time you actually die in this game from playing this card game, it's a very big moment, and you see this kind of interesting uh, other piece to the game all of a sudden. Um, But, yeah, I don't want to say too much it's basically a card game, card battler game, but with a mix of trying to figure out what this game really is. And I will say one thing that's a minor spoiler, so you can jump ahead, you know, two minutes, okay? Anybody listening besides Brad, because he has to hear me now? And jump ahead two minutes, everybody else. Uh, there's another element that is about the room that you're in while you play the card game. So there's so- other stuff going on in that room, and you can leave the table that's the most i'll say you know you're playing the game on the cards on the card table right you can leave the table that should intrigue you enough um this game is great and it is what everybody said it is it's a mystery it's an enigma i haven't finished it yet i'm pretty far i feel like because i've done i've gotten some big reveals uh it's great it's fucking great and i don't say that very often on the show I mean, that's the word on the street is that everybody's loving on this one. It's definitely uh, getting a lot of thumbs up. And people who like indie games and weird games and these kind of experimental things are all saying it's it's kind of a must play. So sounds like a win. Just to circle back for a minute. The one I was thinking of was Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, yes, of uh, course. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that was the one that I, that everybody in the world played for like six months, and that was another one where it starts out one way and it ends up in a different way. Uh, and that one got ported to consoles, so there's there's definitely ways for other people to play besides PC. I played it on Xbox, I believe, and I think it was a pretty good experience. So oh, uh, be- all right. Before we leave yeah. that, oh, uh, there is one yeah. negative thing I have for it. Okay, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a tough one. Right now, I was playing it on Steam. Is it only on PC or is it on? Other stuff it right is now. only PC for right now. Okay. So on PC, uh, I think just in general, and I already gave you the minor spoiler, so I guess I can give another minor spoiler warning for two more minutes. But when you do like leave the table, okay, and you want to move around, it's WSAD, which I don't do, right? I can't do those right. keyboards. I can't. Right. But it's also controller. So I had to go back and forth between mouse and controller in that game. Oh, that's a pain. It's a pain, right? It's a real big pain. And the controller isn't the best controller support either. So that's my only gripe is that I got, it was a little cumbersome when I want to do two parts of the game. Um, Okay. But the mouse works like great when you're doing the card stuff. So anyways, highly recommend. Uh, Haven't beat the game and I'm giving it like nine out of 10. I mean, that sounds like a win. And I believe that we reviewed it at our site. And I think our reviewer, I believe it was Damiano uh, Gearley. I believe he loved it as well. I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about it, so it sounds like a win. And you'll never play it until it comes to a console. That is true. Uh, that's Inscription, I-N-C-R-Y-P-T-I-O-N. Inscription, I believe it's only on PC right now. Uh, one more game to round out, and then we do have something in the mailbag this week. But before we get to that, I want to give a shout-out to Iron Harvest 1920+. Plus. Uh, I am playing this on Xbox I believe it's on PC. It's also on PlayStation. I don't know about Switch. I don't know that would be a happy experience on Switch. I think you probably want to play this on a bigger bigger console. This is a top-down real-time strategy, which is based off of a very successful tabletop board game called Scythe. Have you heard of Scythe? No, but I know of these types of tabletop games, and I get what they're probably trying to do here. Basically, classic real-time strategy um board game but now it's a video game yeah i don't know anything about how scythe works but the reason that it got so popular uh was because of the art style and i'm sure it's a great game i don't know anything about it really but i it it came to my attention because of the art they have an artist who has this very particular style where they blend uh like farm life kind of semi-abstract kind of images of people peasants and villagers and stuff but in the background there'd be like these giant hulking like steam-based mechs and they were kind of like this weird dichotomy of these two images that don't generally go together and that was kind of the basis of scythe like it's kind of like a i mean i don't even know what it's supposed to be i mean like 1920 so just around the time of world war one or just after something like that uh but also throwing in mechs so it's kind of a weird weird setup that's where the game starts you play as a girl who is in the country i want to say it's called like polonia which i guess is probably a stand-in for poland uh and there's also this is not said in the real world but there's also like uh like the rus viet empire uh which is a mix of you know obviously russia and soviet uh there's a couple of the countries where you can kind of tell who they're supposed to be but they're not actually called france and england and russia and germany they're they got like fictional names um and so you're kind of caught up in this like struggle where like the world war is breaking out and you're kind of dealing with it like from from the context of it being a girl in a village. The tutorial is great. I love the tutorial. They take a lot of time to explain the mechanics and says the story as well. Uh, really nice uh, because instead of just jumping into combat, you're like a little girl in a snowball fight. And that's how the whole thing starts, which is wonderful. It's small scale, 
you're running through the field, you got some snowballs, you're trying to shoot the snowballs at some boys because they're being dicks to you. And you just kind of like that's those same mechanics apply to the the battles that you get to later on. Oh, great way to start. Yeah. yeah great way to, to get to know the character. Great beginning. Uh, love the story about um, just, you know, coming up in this village and being a girl. So you've got that to deal with. And then also like wars breaking out. And you kind of become like the hero of the local uh, resistance. Uh, you eventually turn out to be a good sharpshooter. But then you, you know, you gather some soldiers and you push back against the people who are kind of taking over your country. Um, I love the graphics. I think the graphics are great. The visual style is great. I think it maps really well to a controller. I know RTS are generally the, the purview of mouse and keyboard. But I think it works great here. Um, the setting is great. The story has really got me in. Like, I really want to know what's going on. I care about the characters um and the mechs are awesome like they're big chunky kind of like slow weird brutish looking things that have like all the steam coming out of them like you know if we had invented mech suits in 1920 i this is probably exactly what they would look like it makes perfect sense it's got a great aesthetic to it really really good theme i really like it a lot by the way i i, oh. I had to say that because i'm looking at the video yeah. the art is so cool and by the way the developer's name is king art so they have to get art right i would imagine I mean, that is a very fitting name. I, I hope that's a real name because, boy, that was fitting. Yeah. Absolutely fitting. But, like, you're right. It's it's almost like steampunk vibes. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird quasi-steampunk-ish vibe. But it's also just a, a strange mix of, like, World War One like, basic tech. But then also there's these giant robots running around. And it all, it all just kind of works. Like, it's very cool. Um, I really dig it a lot. Um, so, I mean, full disclosure, I'm terrible at real-time strategy games it is probably one of my weakest genres uh thankfully there is an easy mode i, I was like yes give me baby mo infant mode <laughs> premature infant mode give me that mode because i'm terrible at these games and it's been very forgiving so far um but honestly just to, to not talk about this game but talk about the genre for a minute i just don't understand how any human is supposed to ever be good at rts games and i know that people are people love starcraft and Warcraft, and you know, people people love those games. I'm not one of those people. I don't get running around in different portions of a map, 18 things going on at once, or balancing this thing over here and collecting resource over here and fighting over here. Like it's just it's way too much for my simple brain to process. And I wish that this game was turn based, or at the very least, I wish that you could pause it. Um, it reminds me a little bit of um, what is? Oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting steam no 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 what is the steampunk game that we played where like you're fighting against the steampunk not called steampunk no the the one where you're building a generator you got to keep your people from freezing and like oh uh, um, oh my goodness you mentioned almost every podcast i know i talked about it like five shows in a row what the hell is it called it's um oh my goodness oh my god we we're terrible we're the worst podcasters ever no that's that not game. true but what is it the uh blanking so hard oh, you don't remember it yet so oh my goodness no i don't yeah i thought you were gonna remember it rts first. no i'm just gonna do it real no time. it's the one it's like the city builder no i just typed Steam. in the search i'm just frost punk frost punk there Frostpunk. it is yes it reminds me of frost punk in it's got the same kind of like weird basic tech but also kind of advanced tech vibe going on but the thing that i really love about frost punk and honestly the thing that made that game playable to me was that you could pause all the action like yeah. you couldn't do it turn-based but you could stop if you didn't know what the fuck was going on and things started spiraling out of control. And you're like, oh, my God, there's 19 things happening at once and I can't take all this information in. You just stop. The whole game stops and you can look and be like, OK, this guy's dying over here and these people need some coal and this thing needs to stop burning. And I got to like do this thing over here and get this guy. You know, you could take you could figure out what was going on 
and then start time again. And that to me is absolutely the thing that made Frostpunk playable to me. If it wasn't for be able, being able to pause, I never would have been able to play that game. Yeah. I would never have finished that game. So I feel like I really want that so bad in this game because I feel like there's a lot of things going on. You have a squad with like n multiple different squads within your squad. There's like riflemen and grenadiers and then like your main character is a sharpshooter. You got a couple mech suits and it's like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, I don't think the optimal way to play this is to have everybody in a big crowd. But that's the only way I can play it because I, I got to focus on one thing at a time. And I can't have a guy over here and a guy over there and people over there and a squad over here and a mech over here. It's too much to focus on, especially because you can't pause. I'll tell you. The, so yeah, I just, yeah, it's tough. I th it's I'll tough. tell you the answer. I agree with you. I, I don't want, I don't want to play this style of game either, but this style of game is for people who can play League of Legends. Like exactly. That's what this game is. And that's a different part of the brain that my part yes. of my brain doesn't do that either. But that being said, it seems like the aesthetic and everything else is really cool. So it's like if you like that style and can manage all that stuff, then this is up your alley. Well, I mean, absolutely. This is not something that my brain can do. I don't enjoy that sensation of like drowning. I feel like I'm drowning. When yeah, I play that's so do I. So do I. There's just too much happening. But I will say the easy mode is real easy. I haven't lost a single mission yet, and I'm terrible at these games. So it's really cutting me some slack. And I got to say, like, the story's fucking awesome. The aesthetics are awesome. Themes are awesome. Graphics look great. I mean, I really like this game a lot. I think it's very cool. And I really want to be better at this game. So I'm limping my way through it. I really want to finish this. And there's also a whole bunch of content. I mean, there's the main campaign. I think there's like three or four other campaigns where you take place in different countries. There's like one in the Far East or the Middle East, I mean. Uh, there's like one in like France, I think. Like just there's a lot of content here, a lot of stuff to get through. And I really dig the storytelling a lot. Um, so I'm in like I'm in. I'm just terrible at it. And I wish I wish you could pause. I think that for me would make all the difference. But I'm still struggling. But even though I suck at these games, I think this is a very, very good one. And I really like it a lot. Um, all right. Well, people check it out. Like I said, if, if you're like an RTS person or just like a League of Legends person, you would probably really dig it then, especially because it's got the yeah. added story bit. And I like that a lot. Uh, so good. I really, I really like it. Yeah, hey, absolutely. quick tangent because of that. Um, you were talking about um, boards or something or maps or like, you know, you can go to different locations. Yes. It just made me remind me of um, the stuff I like about Far Cry is that uh, they also have special operation missions um, and like they're on different maps. And what's interesting about those maps is two things. One, they don't, you can't like push the map button and just see the landscape, which you would think would be weird and bad. But they're doing that because it's like a timed mission, you know, and you have to like, that's kind of part of the challenge is look at this drawn, hand-drawn map and like try to get to where you're supposed to go, uh, which I don't, interesting. Know, I don't know if any other game does that, but it's kind of interesting. But the more interesting thing as I bring it up is because they're adding more of those. So like other games, which is multiplayer games where you're shooting each other, you know, they go like, oh, what's the new map, right? Or Fortnite or something, right? Yeah, And so I've never had to experience that much because I would only play one player games. And even if it's an open world game, it's like the DLC is usually like a mission within the map. But this is, you know, where they're literally giving you new maps. And I think that's really exciting because some of those locations I've already been to in the special operations are like, you know, different enough to be like, wow, now I can like take my beefed up character into this place. Again, probably Excellent. doesn't sound very novel to anybody who plays like multiplayer games, but... It's a, it's a nice uh, touch with the uh, the one-player experience. Yeah, I mean, having that new content and having that new angle to the content that you've already played, I think, is a great thing for a single-player game. So very welcome. Sounds very cool. Yeah. 
All, all right. right. Um, we have uh, that's all the games, folks. We're through all the games, but I do want to quickly uh, say that we did have something in the mailbag this week, and I do need to start off with an apology to superfan Elio Campitelli. Um, we did give him a shout out last week because uh, he tweeted us. But my bad, I forgot to check the mailbox before we recorded, and it just so happens there actually was comments there for us. So I apologize for not getting this sooner. Should have done it last week. We're doing it now. Let me read this first, Carlos, because uh, you have not read this. I have not. Uh, I'll read this out to you, and then you tell me your thoughts, or we can kind of just comment on it and go from there. Uh, so again, this is from Elio Campitelli. He says, uh, hey, I wanted to chip in about Brad's impressions on the Artful Escape, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. You said something along the lines of it being close to a trans allegory and expressed some disappointment that the game did not take that extra step to make it more explicit. While the rest of your review made me want to get the game, this comment in particular pushed it to the top of my mental play next list. And after playing, I have to say that I mildly disagree with you. Contrary to the game being close to a trans slash gender nonconforming narrative, I feel that is very much the point of the game. I don't know what the other interpretations you could possibly get from lines of dialogue like your song is rich, profound even, but placed in the wrong vessel. This line is said to the player a couple of scenes before the player changes their appearance, which includes aggressively gender nonconforming clothing and makeup choices. And when you're finished, you literally come out of a closet. <laughs> I'm actually astonished that scarcely any reviewers mention this angle. You and Stacey Henley... Uh, are the only reviewers I know that seem to have caught on to this not-so-subtle message. So thank you, Brad, for pointing me in the direction of this awesome game. And Stacy Henley is at thegamer.com. And what did the Thoughts developer Carlos? say about that? Didn't they say a definitive answer? I thought I forgot what you said. That. I don't know. I don't think they mentioned anything about it. I think they just said, uh, as far as I know, they just said that was their experience of being a person coming up in the rock and roll world. One of the developers is actually a former like professional musician. Right. Um, but I don't think they mentioned anything at all about it being a trans or a queer narrative at all. Well, I think I took it as uh, just androgynous and then also like Ziggy Sardust. So like, sure. you know, that's the most clear cut uh, feeling I got, which is, yeah, you're, you're making a big change. I mean, David Bowie went through uh, many changes when it comes to his look, the way he carried himself, his songs, his albums. And it does feel like a rock opera in that way like rocky horror yeah. picture show right like yeah it, there's a vibe there where again there's kind of difference in you know what people are wearing and the way that they're acting but it's not like specifically trans so that's how i took the game um and that's yeah that's my thought but i can see it again just almost like a really good song or any music you listen to you can take it any way you want and you can you know it can have it apply to you in a different way which, yeah, which is sure. good. Yeah, open to interpretation for sure. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Elio. To me, this game was screaming to be a full-on trans narrative, kind of uh, coming into yourself sort of a story. I'm very surprised. It would have only taken like one more step and it would have totally been there. So anyway, I'm glad that you checked that out. Glad you took the recommendation. He has one more comment here uh, at the end of the email. He says, in other news, I also wanted to give a shout out to Max Gentleman's Sexy Business, which we talked about last week. Uh, the devs just pushed a massive free expansion with new missions, mechanics, executives, outfits, and stories from the Smut Peddler. I don't work for their PR department, but I feel like it would be great if you mentioned this on your podcast, which we did last episode. I beat you to it, Elio, but thank you for mentioning it because this game is great. He also says uh, they could have made this PL... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, my bad. They could have made this paid DLC. 
but instead they decided to go with the route of uh, pampering their user base and getting more publicity. I feel it's very cool for devs to be so generous. And since Max Gentleman Sexy Business is also a cool game, which is super welcoming to queer audiences, I thought you might want to mention it again. Absolutely, yes. It is queer friendly. It is a great game. It is a great example of a wonderful game which has adult content in it. It is not just about the adult content, which is my favorite way to do this kind of thing. Love it. It's one of my favorite. Uh, I mean, I played it all the way through and I never play PC games. It's a great experience. I recommend it to everybody if you're not averse to um, a little spicy in your game there. And by the way, it could have been peel DLC that you were going to say because I know I well, almost, yes. let me say yes and do it because it could have been like they peel the clothing off. Huh? I, f- I felt like there was a joke that I almost accidentally made and I didn't want to make a joke, but yes, you could peel Peeling the clothing, the off, clothing DLC. off of the DLC. And in, I mean, that that is what a lot of this DLC is, uh, not specifically this game, but a lot of games DLC. You get the clean version, you pay for the DLC, you peel the clothing off. That's the thing that happens. Yeah. All right. That is a show. That is a show for us. Uh, as always, folks, uh, we'd love to get your questions and comments, and I promise to check the mailbox a little bit more often. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. We're also on TikTok, SoVideoGamesPodcast. But you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Yeah, Carlos Rodella, uh, 1L, R-O-D-E-L-A, on TikTok. And also on Instagram. It's a little confusing, but it's called... My name is Carlos Rodella. That's the name of my of my Instagram. Uh, it's called. It's literally called My Name is Carlos yeah, Rodella? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I All don't right. know what I was doing when I thought about that. It was funny, but yeah, it's what it is. And then also, I will put up a couple of clips from this episode on our TikTok. Excellent. All right. As for me, Twitter and Instagram, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for episode 257. Thank you all again for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast. And we will see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And kind of Bye from Carlos, but maybe something else for the end. Uh, I wanted to say something, but I'm not sure if I should say it. But now I've already started it, and I didn't even say goodbye. So this has this is not getting edited. You might as well finish, because here we are. All right, before I before we leave the episode, because it's the very ending anyhow. There's like eight people who listen to it. That's not true. Probably 80. Two. Probably two. No, more than that. <laughs> Uh, so fuck Dave Chappelle. Like fuck Dave yeah, Chappelle. Fuck Dave Chappelle. So I'm much. with you on that one. Fuck that guy. Fuck that yes. guy. I should have led with that the whole podcast. Uh, I'm working on a sketch about him, about he's uh, fucking dumb and I hate his last special. Ugh, and so he's so not important and not an icon and he's not the goat. And please come at me. Uh, I'll tell you why. But obviously, you spend like three quarters of your special talking down to trans people. You're fucked up. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck Dave Chappelle, man. And that shit's over. Ugh, very disappointing. I know. I could do a whole thing on it. I'm just so mad. And yeah. I'm glad that you're mad because it's it's the right. I, oh, I am e- I am equally mad, dude. I'm equally. It's mad. the right emotion. It's the correct emotion. There's very few times where Agreed. I'm like, you know, everybody can have their own opinion. Now the correct emotion is fuck that guy. And, fuck Dave you know. Chappelle. Absolutely. Yeah, seconded. Okay, seconded. can we name the episode? We'll get a lot of clickbait. Can we name the episode "Fuck Dave Chappelle"? Sure. Can we? We've that, never yeah. done something so controversial. Oh, sure. We can do that. Yeah. Let's fucking yeah, do definitely it. definitely possible. Yeah, but by All the way, right. it's hilarious because we're going to do that. And it's, you have to like, wait to the very end of the episode to even hear us talk about it. I know. All right. Then we're gonna, it's, it's like, it's a bad joke. All right. Okay, bye. Right. Bye.